Hey, 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 everybody. It's your girl and welcome back to I Can't Make This Ish Up. Now, I know that I have been missing for a while, but let me tell you, life has been wild. Um, I finally finished my master's degree, so I graduate in a week. When I tell you I am so excited, I am so excited. Like, I cannot begin to explain to you guys the joy that I feel knowing that I am done with school for now. But I will explain the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, and all the way around about my school experience in another episode. Today, I want to get into my first episode that will more than likely uh, become a series because I don't want to squeeze too much into one episode. Now, this episode is going to tackle some things that may be sensitive in nature, may ruffle a few feathers, but it's only designed to help you think. And when I say I can't make this ish up, I mean that with everything inside of me. So let me tell you how this podcast episode came to be what it is now. So my children and I, we watched a movie. The movie was called Knowing. It was really good. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's pretty good. Um, we can talk about that in another episode as well. But it definitely has some hidden messages in there that kind of speak to the end of days. Anyways, all I can tell you is that movie has nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you. So after the movie was done, my son was like, Mom, Dad said that more black people caused the riots than white people. Listen, when I tell y'all that came out of nowhere, it literally came out of nowhere. I had no idea what to think in that moment except the truth. And I had to, you know, break a lot of things down to my son, who is eight, by the way, that there are some conversations that I feel I should not be having with him at this age because a lot of what I have to say and the detail I have to put into what I have to say, he is not going to 100% comprehend it. However, comma, space, his father brings up a lot of issues that I later on have to combat. So with that statement, um, let me let y'all know my both of my children are of mixed race my son is half german and jamaican my daughter is part italian german and jamaican i obviously am the jamaican one duh and of course my kids have two different fathers i was married twice blah 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 right anyways none of that really matters but it helps to give you a picture of my family dynamic now I am black, but like black, okay? I'm dark, chocolate, Hershey's kiss. I look like the sun dances on the rooftop of my home. I look like the darkness never comes, that light is always shining. When water drips down my back, it has a reflection of beauty. That is me 
I am black. Okay. My children are caramel, caramel, whatever y'all want to say. Now, um, me and my son's father. Now we, we were married for a very, very, very short time. Like kind of like if you close your eyes right now during this episode, by the time I get to the end of the episode, that's how long my marriage lasted. Okay. So we, after I had my son, um, it was around the time that Trayvon Martin was killed, rest in heaven. And me and his father were having a discussion about the murder of Trayvon Martin. And, you know, I kind of explained, you know, my feelings on it. And I was very passionate, you know, I was extremely emotional behind it because now, you know, not only am I a black woman in America, but now I have this son and I know growing up that mixed means nothing to a racist. So in my mind, I am raising a black son. And as I saw the case unfolding for Trayvon Martin, I was like, that is not too far away from my reality. Not for nothing that I also grew up in Florida for a few years, a few years, but basically most of my life because it was a lot of back and forth, but another episode for another day, childhood trauma. Anyways, so he basically did not have any empathy or sympathy for that situation. He made excuses, the same excuses that I was hearing on the news that you know, white people were saying about, well, he shouldn't have been walking outside that late late at night. Why do you have a hoodie on? Oh, he was aggressive. Why didn't he just tell him where he lived? And it's just like, "Mm -hmm." that all did not sit right in my spirit. So as he was saying these things on top of me having other issues with him, That was the nail in the coffin, the straw that broke the camel's back, the last straw, right? So I then decided that I had to leave this relationship because not only was it a problem for me, but it was going to be dangerous for my son. So I picked up and I bizounced, right? Not to... That's a whole shit. I got episodes upon episodes upon episodes. Anyways, so I realized at that moment that I was going to be raising a son to a non, with a non sympathetic white parent. And I did not know how I was going to have to navigate this. So Now, fast forward to the statement that my son said, where his father said that more black people cause riots than white people. When I tell y'all I went off on a tangent, I went off on a tangent. My son and my daughter are looking at me. They're listening. I can kind of see their faces getting really solemn and I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes because I'm telling my son, I said, you have to understand where the anger and aggression that black people are harnessing comes from. It's not that we wake up and we decide, ah, today I feel like being pissed off and doing a bunch of shit. No, it comes from a space of confusion, of not being heard and sorrow. That's the bottom line. I said, mothers are tired of burying their sons because they're outside playing at a park. 
Black people are tired of seeing black murder trauma on social media, but social media will remove nipples quick. Black people are tired. I was like, so when your father talks about black people are causing more riots than white people, I don't know where he's getting his statistics from. That's neither here nor there. Whether it's true or not, I can tell you this, that our truth on where our issues come from lie in the mistreatment of black people by white people. So I had to explain to my son, I'm like, the issues that we're having now in 2021 are not new issues. And that is another reason why we're tired. Martin Luther King spoke on police brutality. Malcolm X spoke on police brutality. Marcus Garvey spoke on police brutality. And we are still having these same issues today. And we're talking about things from the 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s. We're still talking about the same thing. Same song, different beat. And we're tired. We are tired of listening to that broken record. And, you know, if we're sitting there, we're saying, hey, stop murdering us. And then somebody is looking at us saying, oh, well, stop being a criminal. And it's like, well, what the hell does that got to do with the price of tea in China? Because criminals go to trial and then they go to jail. And we don't even get that opportunity. However, comma space, the majority of people that are experiencing police brutality aren't even the people that are engaging in criminal acts. They are just a regular schmegular citizen living their lives in a world, in a country that was not designed for us and being killed for it. I told my son because a lot of times he will make statements like, well, I'm light-skinned or I'm lighter than you. And I had to tell him again tonight, son, to a racist, you are as black as me. A racist, a bigot, and somebody who is prejudiced doesn't see mixed skin or light skin. You will not get a pass because your father is white. They see a black child or a child of color. They do not look at you and say, oh, well, you know, I think maybe their daddy is white. No, they could give a crap about any of that. And this is why I had my son watch Colin in black and white, because there was a part in one of the episodes where Colin was driving and his parents, his adopted parents were in the car with him and he got pulled over by the police. And the police officer asked him to show him his permit. And when he reached to grab his permit, that cop reached for their gun. And it wasn't until his white adopted father said, hey, calm down. He's just getting his permit. That's when the cop kind of took his hand off of his pistol. And I told my son, I said the same way that Colin is a mixed child with two white parents in the car with him and that cop had no problems reaching for his gun after he gave him instructions to give him his permit. What makes you think that if you're riding with your father, you won't get the same treatment? I told my son that his father cannot empathize with the black struggle or the black plight in America because his father is just another white man in America and he will never understand what we go through on a day-to-day basis, which is why he can spew the rhetoric that he does. And his father doesn't understand 
how dangerous and detrimental that is to my son's future. Because if my son walks through life thinking that he can get away with or maneuver in this world the same way that his father does, somebody is going to politely remind him that he is a black man in America. His father is an immigrant, has only been in this country maybe four years, but he feels bold enough to talk to my son about black struggles in America. And then I have to continue to go back and engage and educate my son on situations and issues that I really don't feel are age appropriate for me to discuss with my son, not in that detail. I do believe in being real with my son or my daughter as well. I do believe in being candid, open, and honest with both of my children. But I do understand that there are age-appropriate conversations and situations in which things should be brought up. And right now, I'm being forced to have those conversations. I really never imagined that I would have to have these types of conversations because I really, I mean, me and my daughter, we've had these conversations for years, but she also does not have a relationship with her father. So I never really had to deal with a combative way of thinking when raising my daughter. I literally could raise my daughter how I want to tell her the things that I need to tell her that's going to educate her and keep her safe and go about my business. But now I'm experiencing the pull and tug of raising not only co-parenting, but co-parenting with somebody who does not understand the struggles that we endure as a black people in America. And it's crazy because my father is extremely, I tell people all the time, he's extremely, extremely, extremely pro-black. Before being pro-black became a trend, my father was pro-black. Therefore, I was raised to love all of my blackness. When Tupac said, the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice, I took that quote, wrote it on a piece of paper, folded it in my pocket and rocked with that thing all my life. I believed it. I felt it. I lived it. I breathed it. I breathed black excellence. I breathed the beauty of blackness, of my culture, of my history before it became a thing to call each other kings and queens. I watched my father address the inner city youth in Brooklyn and the Bronx and call them gods and kings and queens and princesses and empresses. I watched that. So these are things that I grew up with. So the pride that I have in my people run deep. I was wearing head wraps from young African print. My grandmother adorned me in those things. Both my father and my grandmother were a part of the Black Panther Party at a point in my life. So I got to experience a lot of different angles of how to love and embrace where I come from and what runs through my veins. And I try to bring that same thing to my children How with the knowledge of being empathetic or understanding that they are mixed race. Like I don't want them to grow up hating a piece of themselves. However, I do want them to understand the history 
and understand why things are the way that they are and why I push and I drive the self-love of their black side so much because society will find a way to make them dislike their black side. So I have to combat that. I feel an obligation to combat that. And growing up with that mentality of black love, black excellence, black pride, all of that good stuff, loving my dark skin. I mean, even now I will go and sit out in the sun just to get more chocolate because I love the way that my skin looks when it gets dark and I rub that thing down with a little bit of oil and then I'll be glistening. I love that. You know what I'm saying? Can't nobody tell. And then when my skin is dark chocolate and glistening, don't let me get a hold of a yellow or mustard colored dress or a red dress over o b e r a over okay over honey so my goodness it's just now that's when we get to i can't make this ish up right because not only did i marry one white man i married too right and so it gets to the point where like a lot of people that don't know me they know me in the army but they don't know me they think that I have a preference for white men or that I've never dated black men blah blah blah. and I have to explain these things to people then I realize I don't have to explain anything to anybody I'm gonna allow people to live what they want to live and believe what they want to believe however I do I do acknowledge the fact that most people that ask me whether I have a preference in white men don't know enough about their black history to be asking me any questions about who I want to lay in my bed. <laughs> but tangent number one, um, back, back, back to the conversation that my son had with his father and how I had to combat that. It was a very interesting conversation and it was not a difficult conversation because I enjoy talking to my children about the situations that they are surrounded by. Because like I told my son tonight, I said, our parents, my mother fought to make sure that I didn't have to experience the prejudice of racism that she may have experienced in the 80s, 70s or late 60s. However, when I was in middle school, I was on the school bus and two boys called me the N-word. Repeatedly. And I, it was probably like two years ago, one of them found me on Facebook and apologized for it. So although my mother wanted to protect me from those experiences, it was, it's never enough if the people in her peer group don't raise their children a certain way. So these situations are always going to be repeated. I told them the same way that my mother didn't want me to experience those things. Her mother didn't want her to experience those things. And we're talking about, you know, my mother's mom, my grandmother, and my father's mom, my paternal grandmother, they're in their 60s and 70s. So how 
tired are they from dealing and having the same conversations now in 2021 that they were having in the 60s and the 50s? How tired do you think that they are of having those conversations? So if my grandparents are tired of having those conversations and their children are tired of having those conversations and I'm tired of having those conversations, well, here we are in 2021 to the so-called riots that your fathers say are more led or started by black people than white people. And my son was like, well, why, why is it even like that? And I said, well, I can't speak to an entire group of people, but I can only speak to my experience and the things that I've seen and the things that I've witnessed. And a lot of times people in general dislike or try to tear down someone who they believe is better than they are. And the only way to combat that from actually becoming a reality is to tear that person down. So case in point, you watch movies like Mean Girls and, and uh, I don't know, Step It Up and that cheerleading movie with Gabrielle Union. They argued and fought and talked crap about these other girls because in their heart, they felt that those other girls was better than them. They felt that those other girls was competition. And them other girls was minding their business, walking around school, saying hello to people, keeping their head down. And then here comes the mean girls of the squads, of the folks. And they're talking about them, picking on them, causing issues, tripping them in lunchrooms, doing all types of dumb stuff because they felt the competition of that person. So again, I told my son, I can't speak to an entire group of people, but I can say that most of the times when people are picking on or causing trouble or tearing down, it's because internally they feel inferior to that person. So, I, uh, I just, I mean, it's a hard pill to swallow to realize that I have to constantly have these conversations with my eight-year-old son and try to combat this way of thinking because I had to tell him that his father's way of thinking can get my son killed. And that is what scares me. That is what hurts me. Because as a mother, you want to be able to protect your child. But after a while, you have to realize that you, there's only but so much you can do. And I told my son, I said, right now, you're eight. You're in my care. You got to be picked up. You got to be dropped off. You got to be watched. You got to be fed. I said, but at some point, you're going to be driving to school. You're going to be driving to work. You're going to go to college. You're going to live your life. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. And in those moments, I will spend the rest of my leave, my life praying for your safety because I know that the world out there is a horrible, horrible world. And that world doesn't see you the way I see you. That world sees you as an aggressor. That world sees you as somebody with an anger problem. That world sees you as somebody who's always so passionate and argumentative. The world doesn't see you as the innocent young boy that I raised, as the innocent young man that I love, as the innocent husband that one day you'll become. 
They will always see you as a black man in America, despite who your father is, despite the rhetoric that he spews, despite the thoughts that he puts in your head. And I have to, I have to make sure that you understand you can't move the way that he moves. I told him his father is an immigrant in America, but in his mind, he is just as American as any other American. Why? Because he can go to back to Germany. He can go to any part of Europe. Well, I say any part of Europe, but the white parts of Europe, Switzerland, France, Russia. He can go to Australia. He can go to Great Britain. He can go to Canada and he will always fit in because he looks like them. But I, my chocolatey self, can't go to any of those places and fit in. They will always see me as a foreigner. I could care less if my mother moved to France before she had me. I was born there. I got a French passport and I speak the we in the comment They still gonna see me as a foreigner because I'm black. I can't navigate the way your daddy navigates as an immigrant anywhere else other than Africa or the majority black Caribbean islands. But your father can come to America, spew hate and prejudice rhetoric because he's comfortable in doing so because he has not had to struggle the way that immigrants have had to struggle in America. He doesn't have an accent. He speaks very, very good English as though he was born in America. So in his mind, he is just as American as an American and can't nobody tell him different. Even though he's got a green card in his wallet that the ink is still wet on. So then my son was like, well, I'm a little sad. And I said, why? He's like, because I feel like the things you're saying, my dad is a bad person. So I told him, I said, well, I'm not going to say that your father is a bad person or a good person. But I am going to say that the way that he thinks and the way that he is making you think or kind of, I don't want to say brainwashing, but the way that he's conditioning you to think is only dangerous to you. It will not affect him personally until something bad happens to you. And I take that out the atmosphere because you are my son and I love you and I want you to live a long and fruitful life. But the way that your father thinks does not benefit you. It benefits him because he runs in the circles where those types of conversations are okay. Because there's no way that your father is hanging around true black people and having those conversations with these people and they're allowing him to continue thinking the way that he thinks, which means he is hanging out with like-minded people, which means that that thought process will hurt you in the long run. And I have to protect you in that. And, you know, I gave him a hug and I loved on him and gave him kisses and, you know, and he just kind of laid there looking at me and I just sat there because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to do because I don't have brothers. I don't have male cousins that I'm connected to in that fashion. So I don't have black men in my life that I can kind of like reach out to and be like, hey, I need you to pull my son under your wing because he's going to need 
that black mentorship. He's going to need that black male love. He's going to need that black male guidance. I don't have that. And as a mother, as a woman, I can only do so much. You understand? I can only do so much. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to think that. It's hard to fathom and understand that my reach is only going to go so far. But I am wise enough to know that my reach is only going to go so far. So I know in my area, I'm going to be looking for, you know, some mentorship programs that I can enroll my son in and try and go that route. I mean, I'm in the perfect area. I'm in the DMV. So, you know, there's a lot of different cultures here where I can get that exposure for my son and make sure that he is wise understood and he loves who he is completely because if I don't do it now it will be a difficult thing to do later and it will take for somebody to say something to him that if he does not love his blackness now when somebody says something to him derogatory about his blackness, it will cause him to hate it. And that's what I don't want. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy because a lot of people don't understand, you know, like how I married not one, but two white men. Because they're like, my God, like, you know, I'm very, I just, I was blessed to be raised, you know, in a family that promotes black self love first off but black love overall and although my entire experience was not always the best I was able to take from that experience enough knowledge to know of self so I mean me and my children we talk at least once a month we do our research on a person of color that influenced our society here in America outside of Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and Mary Mary McLeod Bethune we get past those figures because those figures are there and they are great in their own right but we are more than that We are more than that. And until we understand the two sides to the coin where you have your Martin Luther King, but you have your Malcolm X, then we'll never fully understand how the black struggle has come to be what it is, why it has come to be what it is, and how we get past what it is. So I thank you guys for tuning in and joining me on my First episode back on I Can't Make This Ish Up. This is one of the greatest things that I could do. And that is talk to you all. I thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you join me weekly to have some more discussions about everything. I will start highlighting successful small owned businesses 
And I pray that you all join me, listen, and share with your friends and family. Every Friday, an episode will be uploaded. Every Friday, I will be in your ears, on the radio, in your homes. And I thank you all. I pray that you guys have a blessed, blessed Friday or whatever day you're listening to this once it's published. I pray that you are being blessed. I pray that you are healthy. I pray that you are safe. I pray that your children are safe and healthy and blessed and your families reap of abundance. Continue to live life. Continue to be great. And thanks again. Peace.